this afternoon is going to look a bit different because you've got me and you haven't had me before. <laughs> so I got the freedom to do what I like, which is great. <laughs> so it's going to look like what everyone to look like. So my plan is that we're going to, I'm going to speak for a bit and then I want us to take some time just to kind of reflect on what I'm talking about because we're talking about hungering and thirsting after God. So it's about our spiritual appetite. And so I think it'd be really good if we don't just rush away from that place and get busy again, because it's talking about taking time out with God um, and making him first in our life. So that's the plan, is we're going to get some time to reflect, and then we'll go back into a bit of worship and respond to it. So it's going to look different, but we'll see what happens. And it'd be great if I can kind of feel like I get into the flow of what the Holy Spirit's saying. But um, when I was preparing, I was reading a book on preaching, and it said, don't try and follow the Holy Spirit until you've done at least 300 preachers. <laughs> so I kind of calculated, well, if I'm doing two a year, that's going to be like 150 years before I can do that. So I might not go along with that plan. So let's just see what it looks like. It might not look so great, but <laughs> maybe that guy was right. Perhaps I should wait another 150 years. <laughs> yeah, let's see what happens. So we're talking about hungering and thirsting, and um, I was having some, just some conversations at home talking to my husband Richard about this. So Richard, um, he's away at the moment now, he's out in the North Sea between Shetland and Norway somewhere, on an oil rig, doing his job. But we did get some time this week to talk about um, times when we've both been really hungry, and it seems like for both of us, the hungriest we've been is when we went interrailing. So has anyone been interrailing? <laughs> So we, we didn't go together, we went at the same time, but with different people. And this is where you buy a ticket to go around Europe for a month, and basically you just survive from, you can get trains anywhere you want to, do what you like. Um, and everyone's seriously under budgets for this. So I told my best friend, 10 pounds a day, that'll be fine. <laughs> and so we got really hungry, we had lots of cucumbers, and <laughs> we're on lots of train journeys so we could sleep on the train overnight. And, you know, she came back really, really thin. She was thin before we started. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I was very apologetic. <laughs> and Richard's story was that um, for him, he just completely ran out of money. And so one day he was in Florence, and he wasn't admiring the Duomo or the Statue of David or anything like that. He was stood outside McDonald's and <laughs> watching people eat their McDonald's. And he noticed his family had uh, left quite a lot of food. And so they scooped it all up, put it in the bin, and he thought, ooh, free dinner. So he got this pile of food out of the bin and that's it, and got a free meal. <laughs> so that is one really hungry man. So he did tell me that he was wrapped up, kind of quite contained, but <laughs> even so, a stranger's leftovers, that is pretty desperate. <laughs> so anyway, so we're going to continue our series in the Beatitudes today. Um, and this is obviously looking at our spiritual appetite. Um, in the last few weeks, we've been looking at uh, this bit of the Sermon on the Mount that we call the Beatitudes, and it's where Jesus is really telling his followers, this is what it's going to look like to be a follower of me. He's setting out a new way of how it's going to look, radically different lifestyle, radically different values. And, it, and for us, it's really exciting because this is how we're supposed to live today, hence our title, Living Restoration. So the first beatitude we looked at, blessed are the poor in spirit, that's about our overwhelming indebtedness to God, how we are completely spiritually bankrupt without God. We're at the end of our rope. 
We so need him. We're so aware of our utter, desperate emptiness without him. But blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, because they know they need God. Heaven is there. Secondly, blessed are those who mourn, because they recognize their own brokenness and the brokenness of the world around them. Aware they utterly broken before God, and that allows God to come in and meet with them. And he stands with us to show us like the depths of his comfort and his compassion in that place. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And third, we looked at blessed are the meek. That's those who've learned to be so content in who they are, that from that place of acceptance, they're then able to relate to those around them in meekness. That is humility, compassion, gentleness, not feeling the need to compete or be threatened by people. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And so today we're looking at the fourth beatitude, which is found in Matthew verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Yeah. (laughs) So hungering and thirsting, these are really intense words, full of passion. It's not just, oh, I'm a bit peckish, want a nice chocolate brownie. It's, I just, I am so desperate, desperate. I'm really, really hungry. It becomes an all-consuming passion, doesn't it? If you've been really hungry, it's, it becomes all you can think about. You're looking everywhere. Where am I going to get this next morsel of food from? Looking on the ground, looking in the bin. Where can I get some food? You're desperately thirsty. You know times when you go out for a really long walk and you forget your water and you swallow and your throat is stuck together and you're like, oh, I'm so desperate for a drink. That's the kind of feeling that Jesus was talking about. And in the Middle East, at Jesus' time, people would know about hunger and thirsting because they had really low wages. They would eat meat maybe once a week. They would have long walks between each place where they could find water. And so it's a kind of imagery that the people were used to hearing. And so Psalm 42 talks about this. It puts it like this. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? That's a language of really intense desire. And that's really, Jesus is saying, this is what it's going to feel like to be a Christian. You're going to feel desperate for God. You're going to feel desperate for more. Always hungering, always thirsting, a constant appetite for spiritual things. The Apostle Paul, when he got to the end of his life, when he was in prison, after seeing and doing loads of things, setting up churches, going on his missionary journeys, he writes this passionate statement in Philippians 3. This is verse 7 to 10. But whatever was my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them rubbish, that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ. So even at the end of his life, Paul is still saying, I want to know Christ. I'm still hungering for more of God. He doesn't get to the point of saying, that's enough. I just know God. 
I'm, I'm satisfied. Hunger and thirsting is always going to be part of our spiritual makeup. But the trouble is, so many things can distract us in life, can't they? Other things can become our consuming passion. You know, maybe it's just work. Work is so consuming. Maybe it's so interesting that it takes over. Maybe it's just so boring that you just sunk underneath it. Um, maybe you just want to go on a big adventure. Maybe you need a bigger house. Um, you're searching for love. Whatever it is, it just can be all-consuming. All but Isaiah, in, in, verse, in chapter 55, puts something like this. It says, Come, all you are thirsty. Come to the waters. You have no money. Come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and labor and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest of fare. Isaiah is saying that if we focus on God, our souls will delight in the richest of fare. Don't spend your money on things that aren't going to be worth it. Get caught up in God. And we get so easily distracted I just wonder whether there's things today you can think of that you think, well, maybe I just need to adjust my life just a little bit, just so I'm hungering and thirsting for the right things. In the very next chapter of Matthew, Jesus tells us not to get caught up with these things. He says, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you'll eat or your drink or what you'll wear. He says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to us as well. I love that. It's like the byproduct of going after God will be all those other things. We seek first his kingdom. All those other things will be sorted out. He'll sort it all out for us. I just find that's a really challenging way to live. Do I want to live my life that way? Do I want to seek him first and trust him and trust that everything else will get sorted out? I heard a really interesting story the other day. It was a guy who had prayed, decided he was going to pray and he wasn't going to ask for anything in his prayers, and he wanted peanut butter. So he just thought, fine, I'm not going to ask God. Next morning, there's a jar of peanut butter on his doorstep. <laughs> so I love that story. <laughs> God knows what we need. God knows what we need. Um, so our expectation anyway should be that, as we're Christians, our desires turn from being about ourselves and turn our desires to God. So Jesus says that we hunger and thirst for righteousness. So what does righteousness mean? Um, I'm going to look at righteousness in two ways. First, it's our desire for God, and then our desire to be like him. So we know that Jesus was already talking to his followers. Um, but just take a moment to look at what it is to be a follower of Jesus. What is righteousness? How do you become righteous in the first place? And so righteousness means a right standing before God. Because God is entirely good, and because we're born sinners and we're all sinners, none of us at birth are the right to stand before this pure and this holy God. Our sins just cling to us like dirty rags. But Jesus, who was completely without sin, died on the cross, taking our sins with him, offering his life, his perfect life as a sacrifice and paid a penalty for those sins once and for all. And by paying that penalty, we can come into that right relationship with God 
And so it says that now we put on righteousness. We take off those filthy rags and we put on righteousness as a beautiful robe that we wear. How beautiful is that? And so that's the position that we're in now as Christians. We're in that position. And from that position, I would like to say that we just desire to love the one who put us there. Our desire for God. Psalm 27 puts it like this. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon his beauty and to seek him in his temple. We want to gaze on his beauty. Seek him in his temple, I love that. Um, I was just reading about Carol Arnott. Have you heard about John and Carol Arnott? So they both together lead a church out in Toronto. And in this church, they've been helping people to develop um, a lifestyle of just getting into God's presence. And they call it soaking in his presence. They'll just lie down, put on music, just enjoy God. And Carol Arnott says this, there must be time for him just to love him and to have him love us. No other agendas, no list of prayer requests. These can come later, but we need to put loving him first because only when we're filled with his love do we have love to give away. What true words is that? Yeah, we just need to put him first and get filled up with his love. Out of this, um, there's been transformation in many Christians' lives and ministries. Uh, One we know particularly about is Heidi and Roland Baker. Um, I don't know if you remember, just before Christmas, uh, Bill and Hazel went out to Mozambique to work on some of their projects out with the the poor children out, all sorts of things out in Mozambique. And through their work out there of changing their lifestyle, of putting Jesus first and seeking him first and then going out to minister, they've seen hundreds of lives transformed. They've seen... I think thousands of churches planted throughout Mozambique and the rest of Southern Africa. It's absolutely amazing, amazing stories of healings that have come out of just that turnaround of deciding to seek his presence first. So you remember Heidi spoke at Catalyst Festival last year. She, I, she was amazing. I really loved her. I remember um, she talked about fresh bread. Have fresh bread for today, she said. Don't live on the crumbs of yesterday. And by that she was meaning, go to God every day and get something fresh. Don't go on like yesterday's revelation. Every day just seek him for something new. Get into his presence. She's a really inspiring woman. She just loves to get in the presence of God. So I've been reading this book. This is a great book. I really recommend this. Dirty Glory. This is by a guy called Pete Gregg. Um, He was one of the... Uh, initiators of the 24-7 prayer movement. It's great, but really easy to read. It's just all about his story about how the prayer movement got going. Amazing coincidences, or if you'd like to call it that, (laughs) God arranging things so that incredible things happen to set up this movement throughout the world. Um, And it's got loads of great stories in there. Just really, really inspiring, really moving book. One of the few books I've read and cried reading the book. It's just powerful. It's amazing. Um, Anyway, he writes this about Mother Teresa and her work with the Missionaries of Charity out in India. Uh, They work with with people dying on the streets out in India. We may be doing social work in the eyes of people, said Mother Teresa, when she received her Nobel Peace Prize. 
but we're really contemplatives in the heart of the world. We're touching the body of Christ at 24 hours. We have 24 hours in his presence. Pete writes, turns out the missionaries of charity are not into justice, they're into Jesus. So they fight his enemies, befriend his friends, and when they catch sight of him in the face of the poor, they kneel and worship. Mother Teresa's Nobel Medal will mean nothing at all on the day that Jesus looks her in the eyes and says, I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. It's just really challenging, isn't it? That they just see Jesus and minister Jesus to people around them. So it seems like stories like this, it would seem that we hunger and thirst for more of Jesus. The world will be transformed around us because we'll be so filled with love that we'll have enough to give away. So the word righteousness um, is also like an action word. It's about our desire to become more like him as well. So even though we're already righteous, we cry out to become more righteous in our character, to become more like Jesus. It's the process of becoming like him. We get into this process. Um, and I would say that we can't help but love him. We grow to be like the ones that we love, don't we? Um, I think Ephesians 4 verse 24 in the message version puts this whole transformation process like this. Everything connected to that old way of life has to go. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of it. And then take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside, working itself into you, into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. So Colossians 3 also talks about putting on that new self. He says that you clothe yourself you clothe yourself with compassion, with kindness, with humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness. We put on love. So as we get into his presence and we, we transform ourselves with the work of the Holy Spirit to become more like the one that we love. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they'll be filled like the other Beatitudes, there's a now and a not yet part of this uh, promise to be filled. Like Paul in prison and in in, right into the Ephesians, there's a longing for more of Christ that we will constantly live with. We'll long for more and more of him, more and more to be like him. And we'll be constantly blessed as we seek him more and we find him and then we desire to be more like him again. We'll be caught in this constant circuit of spiritual um, desire for him. Like the worship song says, the more I seek, the more we seek him, the more we find him, the more we find him, the more we love him. We're going to sing that song, we'll go to that song later. It's a beautiful song. And then there's the not yet of this promise as well, of being filled, because it means that one day we will be filled, we will be satisfied, we will be in his presence. Revelation 7, verse 16 to 17 talks about the redeemed people. This is us. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will beat down upon them. The sun will not beat down upon them, nor any scorching heat, for the lamb in the center of the throne will be their shepherd. 
He will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. One day we will be like him. So blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. I hope that's helped us understand it a bit better. So I want to just not rush on from this place. Um, I just want to give us a bit of time to think about that. What does it mean for you and me today to hunger and thirst? Where are we at with this? And I also want to pray that the Holy Spirit will meet with us as we listen to this song that we'll be filled again with that desire to hunger and thirst after him. So Keith's just going to put a song on for us. And whilst it starts, I'm going to pray for us. And if you feel like you want to respond to this, just put your hands out to receive from God. I just want to pray, Holy Spirit, would you come and meet with us? Would you fill us again with that desire to hunger and thirst for you? God, I pray, pray that we would get caught up in that cycle of hungering and thirsting and being filled and being blessed and hungering and thirsting after you. I pray that our eyes will be caught up in just seeing you, Jesus, how beautiful you are. I pray that we focus on you, that we put you first in our lives. I pray that you would, with the help of the Holy Spirit, transform us into your likeness.